Hello, and welcome to Talking Taxes Hill Roundtable, a Bloomberg tax podcast where we discuss everything tax-related on the Hill. We'll sit down with the Daily Tax Report's Hill team to give you an in-depth look into the latest in legislative activity dealing with tax. I'm your host, Matthew Bedingfield, and I'm excited you're here with us today. Hello and welcome to Talking Tax, a Bloomberg Tax podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bedingfield, and today is March 19th. Today I have the Daily Tax Report Hill team with me. I have Kastuv Basu, Ali Versperil, and Laura Davison. Guys, it's been a while. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good to be back. So today we're going to be talking about the omnibus spending bill. And just a slight caveat for our listeners, uh, we likely will have more details on this later in the day today and going into tomorrow. Uh, So just keep that in mind when you're listening to us. Um, So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Laura, can you kind of walk us through some first things to anticipate, you know, what, what can we anticipate going in? Um, you know, I know you had mentioned when we were talking earlier, uh, ca- uh, agriculture co-ops being taxed. What What's that all about? Yeah, so this is the big uh, spending bill to basically fund the government through um, the fall. And uh, so it's a massive, massive bill. And one tiny piece of it is this change to the new tax law for agricultural co-ops. Basically, in the bill, um, when it was in the Senate, they put in this provision that would, if uh, you are a farmer who sells to a co-op versus a larger corporation like ADM or Cargill, you can get a lot bigger deduction um, if you uh, sell to one of those groups. Basically, after the bill was passed, after it was law, people were sort of looking at it and saying, oh, whoa, this is a problem. Um, co-ops can basically eliminate all or most of their taxable income, and there's nothing in there really for um, for you know, kind of these bigger corporations or even sort of mid-sized businesses. So they, Republicans got together with all sorts of different farming groups and and worked out a solution. This has been in the work for, works for several weeks. They'd hoped to do it in, in February. They didn't get to it. So last week, uh, the Ways and Means and Senate Finance Committee said, look, we've got an agreement with all these stakeholders that essentially rebalances. So it still has a, um, some benefits for co-ops. They can get a little bit of a bigger deduction. It's this pass-through deduction under 199A. They can um, get a, a pretty sizable deduction, but not as big as they could have. They're not going to totally just pay no in- income tax anymore. So that's what's in there. We expect that to be in the bill. Again, we'll know more tonight once it's officially uh, in. Um, but that's really the, the biggest tax issue uh, that's in there. You know, there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, technical corrections going forward. But really, there's a whole lot of other priorities that have nothing to do with tax. And that's where the focus has been in Congress recently. Okay, Alio, why don't we go to you next? Uh, can you fill us in a little bit? So the co-op issue is obviously the the largest tax issue that we're expecting to potentially see in the omnibus, but there are several kind of smaller technical fixes um, that we could see included in there as well. One deals with um, net operating losses. There's a provision in there, and some of the language um, surrounding the dates is a little unclear. And then there's also, um, you know, provision regarding the depreciation of qualified improvement property that needs to be tweaked a bit. Uh, with both of these, these are small changes, and it was clear that congressional intent, it was, you know, was supposed to be one thing, and the way the law was drafted, you know, it appears to say something else, um, you know, so pretty small things on a whole. And, you know, talking to Ways and Means Chairman Kevin Brady last week, he said, you know, these are being considered to be placed in the omnibus. It's kind of you know, leadership is talking about it, and it kind of just depends on what they're able to negotiate um, with Democrats. And and so those are things that we may see. Uh, and those are kind of the two, I guess, other main technical fixes, but there could be some smaller ones as well. And Stu, what, uh, what are Democrats getting out of this? 
So, you know, the big question now is what will Democrats allow in this omnibus bill? What tax provisions uh, will make it depends on what, because they need 60 votes in the Senate. And uh, so um, as of last week and this weekend, it seemed that um, Senate uh, leader Chuck Schumer and Ron Wyden, they are kind of reluctant to fix a tax bill that was passed and constructed without their help. And negotiations are ongoing, and if these tax provisions do make it to the bill, the Democrats will extract their pound of flesh. And this means there might be something tax-related um, to related to the uh, earned income tax credit or low-income housing tax credit, or maybe something that is not tax-related. We don't know enough yet. Um, the picture will become clearer uh, later today or tomorrow. And so somewhat jumping off of this, you know, the dust has somewhat settled from tax reform. What can we anticipate going forward? What are we going to hear from you guys about, you know, in the next six months here? So, you know, one thing that we are going to hear about is this so-called second round of tax cuts. And this essentially is a Republican talking point, uh, and they want to keep this issue alive till the elections. Uh, they want to make uh, a lot of the individual provisions permanent. They are set to expire at the end of 2025. And what this essentially means is on the campaign trail, they can go and say that we want to make your tax cuts permanent and maybe the Democrats are not playing ball. And this will paint Democrats into a corner. They have to come up with their own messaging. So expect a lot of back and forth on this in the months to come. And Democrats, this is politically tricky because um, during the while the tax reform debate was going on, one of the criticisms they had is look that this you know gives a permanent tax cut to corporations and to you, a family, an individual. You know, you just get a tax cut for a couple of years, and you could actually see your tax uh, your your taxes rise um, as you get closer to that twenty twenty five date. Um, the problem is they also are criticizing the bill for its cost, and if you extend those tax cuts, it adds to the deficit. So they're going to be really boxed into a corner of how do you say yes, we want lower taxes for families. Uh, but how do you pay for it? That'll be the, the issue that they'll have to uh, figure out how to message that to voters. And I think one of the interesting things that I'm hearing, too, from, you know, some some of the right-leaning groups is that it's kind of a win-win for Republicans at this point, kind of promoting this phase two, even if they aren't able to get legislated, legislation enacted before the midterms. Um, so one thing that was discussed is even if they are able to put a, a you know, a piece of legislation up for a vote and all of these Democrats vote against it, then that's good because they can, you know, use that messaging tactic. We wanted your individual cuts to be permanent. Look what, you know, these folks voted for, even if it was for kind of the revenue issues. Um, another thing that's been discussed with this kind of phase two that uh, a lot of those in leadership from the White House are just are talking about is, you know, making some changes to capital gains, either lowering the rate or, um, indexing capital gains to inflation. Uh, this has been something that's been discussed for decades, but really hasn't been able to go anywhere. Um, but there's been talk, you know, of proponents of this, that there might be some hope now to do this, um, even potentially via executive order, That the, though there's kind of a question as to whether that's possible or not. Um, but with Larry Kudlow coming into the talk, uh, coming in as tr- uh, Trump's new top economic advisor, he's been a huge proponent of this. He's also discussed why he thinks uh, doing this by executive order is possible, this whole indexing for inflation. And so that's something that we should watch going into this year as well. Lurking in the background is these temporary tax provisions called extenders. Um, 
the Ways and Means Committee, the Republicans are taking a hard look at it. And you know, some of my some of them might become permanent, and some might go away forever. We'll, again, we'll know more in the weeks to come. I think that's really where you'll see the work in terms of you know what Ways and Means Committee staff is doing, what you know individual uh, tax councils for staffers are. You know, as Stu was saying, this phase two of tax cuts is really more of a political talking point, not as much a reality. The the extenders is where you could see some of the actual legislative changes in the next year. And then also with the IRS reform issue, we've been we've been hearing that there could be some draft le- legislation even by the end of this month. Um, and so far, the word is that this is a bipartisan bill, so that might be where you can see some some actual real movement this year. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to talking to you again down the road. Stay cool. Thanks, Thank Matthew. You. All right, thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Talking Tax. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloomberg Tax and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. It's been a pleasure having you here with us and tune in next time for even more analysis on the tax news of the day.